Hi guys, so today's topic is kind of cell basics and stem cells. And I always do that. So first thing we need to do is talk about the properties of living things. How do we know that something's living? If I were to put something random on your desk, how would you know that what you're looking at is a living organism? The first thing that's important here is that all living things have metabolism. So they have the ability to take in nutrients and break them down into energy, into ATP. When we talk about plants, they're not taking in nutrients, but they are taking in sunlight, and they're gonna utilize that sunlight to make sugar, which then they store away. They also have mitochondria, they have the ability to take that sugar and break it down. So they have a metabolism. All living things grow, so they start off small, they get bigger. Think about yourself, think about a seed. Um, some things will actually even change form. Think about a butterfly. All living things reproduce. So in order to be considered living, it has to have the ability to pass its genes on to the next generation. Otherwise, it's a one and done, right? And this reproduction could be cloning or it could be sexual reproduction as you know it. All living things respond to its environment. Every living thing wants to stay alive. And so if you go to swat a fly, it's going to move away from you because it wants to remain alive. All living things have homeostasis, which means they maintain their internal balance. If I get too hot, I start sweating, and I'm doing that to cool my body, to maintain it at a constant temperature. If I get too cold, I start shivering. That is a contraction of the muscle. It increases my body temperature. All living things have nutrition, so they take in food or they take in sunlight. They have some way of getting what they need to grow and develop and respond and all of that. And like you may have read when you were little, everything has excretion, everything poops. Two examples of living things. Now, when you see examples on an IB lecture, these are the IB approved examples, which mean these things will show up or can show up on your IB test. So you may see chlorella, and you need to know that chlorella is a unicellular marine plant that is photosynthetic. It is an example of a multicellular organism that does photosynthesis. The other example here is a paramecium. It is a unicellular protist and it is heterotrophic. So paramecium is a heterotrophic example of a living thing. Chlorella is a photosynthetic example of a living thing. And there are videos for you to watch here embedded. You need to know the relative size of things. So when you look at this picture, you can see that an atom is smaller than a molecule, is smaller than a virus, which is smaller than a bacteria. The way this usually shows up on the IB exam is which of the following things is the smallest, and it gives you a list of these items. And you have to pick off the list what you think is the smallest. You guys need to know how to calculate linear magnification. So if I give you an object that's on a slide, you need to be able to tell me its actual size. And the way you do that is by uh, this equation here, which is magnified size equals real size times magnification. How are you gonna get the magnified size? Usually there's a scale bar that's given with that picture. Um, I usually tell my students to bring a ruler into the exam. It helps you utilize that scale bar. 
Surface area to volume. Cells are limited in their size by their need to exchange materials with their environment. You can't get like this huge balloon because then you're not gonna be able to get the materials from the center of that balloon all the way out to the edge for osmosis or diffusion. These two colored bullet points here are important. The rate at which a cell uses its resources and produces heat or waste is proportional to its volume. So its use of material is proportional to its volume. Its uptake or excretion of waste is proportional to the surface area. So obviously the bigger you are, the more you need to use things, but the bigger you are, the harder it is to get what you need into the center of the cell. Note that volume mathematically increases faster than surface area, and this is why our cells are limited in size. Everything shows emergent properties. An emergent property means that the sum of its parts is less than the whole. Your neuron can do less than your brain. A single cell in your body can do less than you as an organism. So everything is showing emergent part, um, properties. Sorry guys, it's a holiday and I am just tripping over my words left and right, but we'll get through it. Multicellular organisms show emergent properties because the whole organism can achieve more than the individual cells that make them up. This is caused by your cells interacting and allowing them to perform tasks. So all multicellular organisms have emergent properties where all of your red blood cells are performing a task together and together they can do more than a single red blood cell could do. All of your cells have differentiation, which means once you get past about the eighth day in an embryo, your cells are starting to decide what they wanna be when they grow up. And that means that they've got the entire instruction manual on how to be a human, but they're only going to read one chapter. So in every skin cell, it has the entire instruction manual on how to be a human. There are instructions on how to be a heart cell, but you know what? It's not a heart cell, it's a skin cell. So it only reads the chapter on skin cells. So all of your cells have differentiated. They've picked out the chapter that they're gonna read. They've decided what they're gonna be when they grow up. They contain all of the DNA and that DNA is colored in an electron micrograph. So euchromatin is dark gray and these are the genes that are being used. So when you look at this picture behind my head, Anything that is dark green are genes that are being used by that particular cell. The heterochromatin, the light gray, are genes that exist that tell this cell how to be other things, but they're not being transcribed, they're not being used. So they're tightly wound, they're hidden away, they're packaged. They cannot be reactivated within that cell. Differentiation of any one cell is determined by its relative position to other cells and to chemical gradients. And so the cells that are kind of coming to be near your skin are going to go, oh, hey, all of my neighbors are skin cells. I must have to be a skin cell as well. Different types of stem cells, unspecialized cells, pluripotent. These have the ability to become any cell or any tissue in your body. These are the best. Where are we gonna get pluripotent cells? It's hum human embryos at the blastiosis stage. This is why pluripotent cells are so controversial because in order to get them, you have to essentially take apart an embryo, a human embryo. 
And obviously, depending on where you think life begins, if you're taking apart a human embryo, you could be then destroying life. Now, when I say you have to decide where life begins, there are a couple of steps here that when we talk about reproduction, we talk about life. The first step is fertilization. So when the egg and the sperm meet, does life begin then? Does life begin when that embryo implants, when it actually hits into the uterus and sticks? Or does life begin at about six weeks after fertilization when the heart starts beating? Depending on where you are on that scale will kind of help determine how you feel about pluripotent cells. Multipotent cells have the ability to become a limited number of things. Um, the source is umbilical cord and bone marrow. And so when you have a baby, you can actually store the core blood out of the umbilical cord, and that has these multipotent cells in it, and you store it away and you pay every year to keep it stored on the off chance that you're gonna need those cells later in life if your child gets cancer or something like that. Um, these do differ from normal cells. They haven't differentiated. And so all or almost all of the genes can be expressed. And they are self-sustaining, which means if I can get a line started, these things are going to reproduce if I keep giving them the right medium and the right conditions forever. And so when we go through some political stages where they go, oh no, we can't do stem cell research, it's not as horrible as it sounds because we have these lines that are pre-existing that will continue to reproduce that we can continue to research on. Um, right now, as it stands, we can harvest embryos less than 14 days old in Denmark, Sweden, Spain, and the UK. Um, we can, in the UK and Denmark, produce embryos specifically for this purpose. And in the United States, we can develop new lines. Obama kind of opened the door for that again after it had been closed for a while. So we are doing this type of research. I want you to watch this video on this slide um, talking about stem cells. It gives a greater in-depth understanding, I think. We call stem cell use um, cell therapy. Basically, the idea of stem cells had this stink on it because of where we're getting them from. And so we just kind of changed the name a little bit and said, oh, we're not doing stem cells, we're doing cell therapy. It's the same thing. We are replacing cells that don't work well with cells from um, healthy human beings, um, cells that are healthy. An example here is bone marrow in people with leukemia. So we use chemotherapy and radiation to kill a cancer patient's bone marrow, and then we replace it with healthy bone marrow from someone else. That bone marrow can then start producing red blood cells. There is research going on now with um, skin cells for people with burns, new corneas for people with vision problems, growing new neurons if you're paralyzed. We've had great success in um, adding stem cells to heart muscle after patients have had heart attacks, and we've regained 50% of what's been lost. Stargardt's disease is what you need to know for IB. They can test you on Stargardt's disease. This is an inherited disease resulting in a vitamin A deficiency. Vitamin A is necessary for retina function, and so you start losing your eyesight, essentially. And we are using stem cells to regenerate the retina and restore eyesight. Okay, that's where we're going to stop for this lecture. Maybe, if I can stop the recording. Ooh.